Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter and Blue Sky because of Steve Cavendish. Uh, that's at Braden Gall on both those platforms. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Blue Sky or Instagram at Scavendish. Uh, if you like this show, you can read it, you can review it, you can subscribe to it. All those things help us uh, and help people find us. Uh, but mostly just tell somebody that you know that you listen to Lamestream and they should too. You, you Nashville nerds, the, my, my Blue Sky account is exclusively for like Nashville news and takes and politics and all kinds of that stuff. All the takes. And it is it is already, it, you're exactly right. It does exclusively remind me of like 2012 Twitter, uh, which ironically is about the time we're going to discuss with, the, with our guest today on the show. Ben DeMoss is the drummer for the Wild Feathers. They are celebrating their 10th anniversary of their debut album, self-titled the wild feathers came out in 2013 they're doing a 10th anniversary show they put out an acoustic version of that um there he's going to be our guest today on the show huge georgia fan so we're going to talk sec football we're going to talk sec venues culture in the south but also what it's like to put out a record what it's like to perform live shows and travel around the southeast and all kinds of great stuff with ben he is he is a, a close friend of the pod and um excellent excellent band the wild feathers if you listen to our sec show uh, sec football live the music that has been on that show since we launched three years ago is the Wild Feathers. So uh, we do appreciate their support. And so you guys should go support awesome. them as well. So going to have a great conversation with Ben coming up today on the pod. And Steve has, I, I you've had a lot of really, really horrendous takes in your life. But you might have the worst take that I have ever heard come out of your mouth in our entire relationship. That'll come up. We'll, we'll, I'll bring that up after our interview. You're going to break us up here. I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, before we do all of that, however, Lamestream Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. Always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers. Brought to, brought to, brought to us by the fine Jason Isbell lovers at Jaspers. <laughs> yes. Well, and some of the things we talk about with Ben are about how do you design a set list and how do you know when you have a new song that is clearly going to be a big hit with your fans and sort of like he talks through all that different stuff. But, you know, my daughter, my seven-year-old wanted to go to Jasper's before we went to the Ryman show and she got the Jason Isbell also 10th anniversary celebration of Southeastern on Thursday night. And she had to wait through that whole record because I'm a bad father and I've only played that a little bit for her. So she only knows like flying over water, Stockholm, cover me up a couple of the songs. So she didn't know a lot of that stuff. She needed not a big elephant fan, not a big live Oak fan. Jesus elephant. Oh my God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to tell my daughter, like, ex explain, like, You're trying to shield her from that. Yeah, right, from right like, now. we got high and make cancer jokes. It's a great line for kids. Um, <laughs> so, so she gets to the set, like, he takes a break after doing the Southeastern record and he comes back and he plays some new stuff. And like, she perked up. And at this point, a seven year old at 1015, it's hard to get a seven year old at 1015 on a school night to perk up. But she does because King of Oklahoma is one of her favorite songs. And he just he plays like a nine minute version of it. And it, it like lit her world on fire, but like clearly, and we're going to ask Ben about this, like, how does an artist know when they have a go to Jasper's when they have a new song that clearly is going to be a fan favorite that people are coming to uh, and the, the writing process and all that stuff. So we'll get to get to that with Ben and the Wild Feathers because they've got a bunch of just absolute huge hits that people come to see. And uh, yeah, my daughter, Marin. Huge King of Oklahoma fan, loves Cast Iron Skillet. She got that one at the show as well. Huge Cast Iron Skillet fan. Also, some difficult subjects in there um, as well. Didn't get Just Death Wish. 
She wanted Death Wish. Didn't get that. Got Middle of the Morning. Um, but number one song. My seven-year-old is disappointed because she didn't get Death Wish. Yeah, she didn't get her Death Wish. Uh, number one song. And we'll get to Ben. Number one new song that's played live by Jason Isbell, Miles. I don't think it's even close. The double drums. That It is a Neil Young sort of tribute song that's long and winding and meandering. Lots of noodling and soloing. It was a spectacular song live. So Miles was my favorite. What was your favorite new song live? Um, I thought Miles was pretty good. I thought King of Oklahoma, like the execution on it was great. It's pretty and, good. And so they added they so they added a band member, they added Will Johnson, they also swapped out bass players. Um, and I thought that they have a deliberately bigger sound. Yep. Um yep. and and they they added lasers uh to the, yes, to they the did. Uh, light show. Like the seven year old like, did a, love the lasers. <laughs> I'm sure she did. That there is very although they didn't play they didn't use any of the lasers during the uh southeastern portion of the show, I'm assuming. No. Um but but they it is a big rock show. It, this is I mean it was different. It was Isabel's different. Done, yep. Isabel's done like a bunch of different versions of of his shows before and some are more acoustic some are more electric some are more whatever else but they always had these kind of feels through this is a big rock show right yeah. now and it's yeah. and it feels like between this and they're going to play like they're going to play a bunch of uh arena shows i think with uh turnpike troubadours they're going to do um some stadium stuff next summer with i think zach bryan is that right i can't remember uh, this is a um, show about wild feathers so i don't know yeah and, and so and and so they're just trying to do uh, they're they're making a leap yep go to jasper's they're, they're, i i think there's there's a leap here that's going on so we'll see we'll see that certainly felt like that on sunday uh and the seven-year-old at her second show at the ryman she had a great time once once he once he transitioned out of the cancer songs uh the seven-year-old had a great time so <laughs> uh go to jasper's of course and um obviously check out all the new stuff coming out from wild feathers like they're gonna have a bunch of new songs coming out here in the next few weeks. Um, we talk a lot about the SEC, about Georgia, about touring in the South, about music, about culture, about uh, how to put a set list together, how to play shows. A lot of great stuff with Ben. Gracious with his time. Um, known him for a long time. And uh, Wild Feathers are a great band, so go check out their sound. Uh, again, new stuff coming. 10th anniversary show coming in early December as well. So here was our conversation with Wild Feathers drummer Ben DeMoss. Uh, ben, welcome to the show. Good to see you, old friend, man. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's good to see you, too. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and it is Florida Georgia week, so I thought, you know, look, you guys, the Wild Feathers have a 10th anniversary concert coming up, uh, 10th anniversary of your first record, self-titled, uh, by the way, still in very regular rotation here uh, with at the Gall household with the seven and the five-year-old for sure. So I thought no better time to talk to a Georgia Bulldog fan who's also celebrating his 10th anniversary uh, of a great record. Uh, so... First and foremost, what what do people need to know about Georgia, Florida that they do not know about? Ooh, um, it's funny you're talking about it's already Georgia, Florida weekend, and we've this record has already been out for ten years. I can't believe uh, we're already here, and I'm now I'm <laughs> wow. Like, and, and now that you're putting it like that, like it's the nerves are really setting in. I mean, you know, I um I got into Georgia football in the late '80s. Um, so I, I think for my entire life, I'll just assume that we, that Georgia can't win the cocktail party. So like, I'm still like, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I do think, uh, legitimately, you know, Florida could pull an upset, but I mean, still like, you know, if things go as the experts say, I mean, Georgia should win by a few touchdowns. And I mean, 
if you watch both teams play, I mean, both teams have all their flaws. Um, but I mean, you can't help but notice it. I mean, the Georgia just looks better against the um, a lot of the competition. But I mean, I just, I, I really feel like the one time I ever went into a cocktail party, I was like, oh, this is easy. I might not, like, I, I probably don't even need to watch the game. I remember we were, the Wild Feathers were playing at, oh, I can't remember the name of the festival, but it's this big festival in New Orleans. And it was 2014. And I was like, oh, we'll be like, we'll, we'll, our set starts right after it. We'll be fine. We're going to beat them. And then I don't know what happened that day, but Will Muschamp skaters beat Georgia so bad. And I don't know where it came from. So I just always assume. Does that throw the set off? <laughs> <laughs> it throws everything off. Um, no, I, I still think that I still think the set was great. Um, no, it, it doesn't throw the set off. Um, but it, it um, but you know, it never feels great. But so the last two years have not like the fact that you are defending two time national champions and 40 years of all this is now over and done with. And the, the, you know, the son, the prodigal son has returned and yeah. as and has built a monster like you still none of that has changed the way you now view the Georgia Bulldog fandom. I mean, I, I know it. I know it should. It's just it, it's just it, it's hard. I mean, it's I mean, it's, I, I hear a yeah. lot of angst in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's coming through. I, From I, I a two time national champion. And I got to tell you, as somebody who has grown up a Tennessee fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta say, um, you know, some of that, some of that angst may be, uh, maybe ill-placed considering the wrecking machine that has been, uh, that has been living in Athens the last two years. Yes. You're, I mean, it's, and I mean, and it's the, the scales have been, you know, f- flipped so mightily, you know I mean? Like Georgia's never been up, up Georgia's the Georgia program has never been so up now. And at least in my lifetime, the Florida program has never been so down as they are now. So, I mean, I should feel more confident than ever about it, but you know, it's just, it's a hard thing to get past. And um, it's just, I mean, and, and, and I do, th- I, I do think this year, I do think it really could be a close game. Um, I think, I think both teams will kind of play slow. Like if you watch both these teams, like they don't play it like a, you know, yeah, very fast tempos. And um, I've also noticed, you know, the, the new clock rules. Um, I feel like, I feel like those the new clock rules I feel like have really affected Georgia games like the South Carolina and the Auburn game specifically. I mean, like Georgia takes their time. They're very methodical and efficient, just get down the field, but it takes a long time. And I feel like other opponents have done the same thing because they know they're outmatched. So I think they try and like slow the game game. down. And so that's why, you know, if you saw I don't know, it's Vandy, but you saw that if you watched Georgia Vandy last week, um, each team had one possession in the third quarter. And, <laughs> and, I, and I think a lot of that is the new clock rules with how both teams are playing. And, and I feel like the South Carolina, I mean, South Carolina and Auburn games are also like that. They just like not many possessions and Georgia's not as explosive. I don't think on for the most part as they have in the last couple of years. Yeah. So their drives just take six, eight minutes. You know, they just like, just, just slowly just like bulldoze their way down the field. Um, and it, and it creates for less possessions. And, 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 and I think Florida moves the same way too. I mean, yeah. Graham Mertz, I feel like Graham Mertz has kind of been maybe better than some people might've thought. Yeah. Very but much so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, I was going to ask y'all's <laughs> opinion because I, I, I feel like it's, it's we're interviewing you, Ben, well, this is not <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, um, but, 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 and, and he, he is really good and he's also really efficient, but he, you know, I, they haven't necessarily like been like attacking the field like down right, the field. Right. So, it, I mean, 
Yeah, that, that was a very polite way for Steve Cavendish to say, get the fuck over it, is what I think I heard him say. <laughs> I know it, it, was, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I should get over it. Um, Yeah, it's just and I don't know. I'm, I'm spoiled. Like uh, I get mad at Georgia fans for being so spoiled. And then I'm like, oh, well, I've been spoiled, too, you know. So I want to go, uh, we're going to listen, uh, wild feathers have some new music coming. So stay tuned, make sure you follow them across all the social platforms there. Uh, they got a new record coming out in early 2024. So we'll get into some of that. Again, I mentioned the 10th anniversary show rumor has it that there still might be some tickets floating around out there. Um, not right now, but maybe sometime soon. So make sure you're staying tuned, turn on all the notifications across all the platforms. Uh, we'll get into those things as well, but uh, Athens, I know you, you and I've talked about this. Uh, there are so I am fascinated and uh, utterly fascinated with the perception of the South and how art comes out of the South and Athens in particular. Like why, why is Athens a place that has had so much culture and in particular music from an SEC town standpoint? What, why, why has that happened? You know, it, it makes me wonder. I mean, I, I guess a lot of it has to do with the school being there. Um, uh, so when I first moved to Nashville, um, I'm from Macon, Georgia, but I would, I have a lot of friends that went to Georgia. So I would go visit them in Athens all the time. And, um, the Athens music scene, I'm sure it's still awesome. I'm just not in touch with it now, but back then, the, the, you know, 20 years ago, there were just so many incredible bands and I, you know, some of them I was friends with, some of them I was, I didn't know, but I was like, all these bands are just going to like make it, you know what I mean? Um, and, but a lot of them never did because one thing I noticed that was different about like people that lived in Nashville that was different from people that lived in Athens is people would move to Nashville really to pursue music. So people were a lot more like calculated and like, you know, a business mindset. Um, a lot of people that went to Athens maybe go there for school or, or maybe just cause, and then would kind of, we, you know, we're just artistic and would end up playing music. So it was like, you know, no stakes in it, you know, and that led to like a, a very different scene and like art form really where it wasn't it wasn't as like super calculated form formulaic talented people trying to do the specific thing you know um professionally versus just oh hey you guys want to start a band yeah well it turns out we're awesome man you know and then we'll play for <laughs> years and then we'll graduate and that's the end of the band like you know like what happened to all these bands oh well they just they, they graduated and left town, you know, they all went to grad school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and <clears throat> so I don't, I don't know why, what it is about Athens in particular, but I, I just assume it, it has to do with, with the school being there. Cause that's what, uh, you know, why all those young, young people and a lot of young artistic people, uh, move there for, yeah. for school. You get you guys have had you guys have, have got this new album coming out next year. Um, to talk uh, talk me through the process because it's, uh, I mean it, it it's it seems wild to me that in an age of in an age of streaming and an age where you can just kind of push a button and kind of put something out there that there's still this kind of big rollout process for an album. What what's it what's it like to to kind of go from to go from kind of song development all the way through to, to, to release. Yeah. Um, I know what you mean. It's, it's still, um, I guess it's, it's just been part of the business. I feel like for a long time now. So for example, um, I mean, you know, a lot of these songs on this new record, we were working up a year ago, over a year ago, you know, it's, it, it's hard to tell. Um, and, um, probably, probably about this time last year, um, 
our label started being like, all right, well, we're ready for you guys to make another one. And we're like, great, we've got all these songs. And then, um, you know, just discussing with them, the people at New West Records, love those guys. They're, they're awesome. Um, uh, they, they, we were trying to figure out who we wanted to produce it. And somebody threw Shooter Jennings's name in the hat in the ring. And um, uh, I mean, in a way, someone was like, "Okay, you know, if you guys are paying for this record, yeah, of course we'll go. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll go re- record with Shooter Jennings." And um, Shooter Jennings, he's he's an amazing dude, by the way. I mean, I we we love that guy to death, and he is so fun. And um, there's no ego involved with him. It's like he literally is, I think he's producing records because he literally just loves to like be a part of like making fun stuff. Like he's, you know, it's a very, very, very fun uh, atmosphere. He's a fun dude. But then, you know, <clears throat> I mean, uh, this is not me talking trash on the label, but you know, you know, this it's just what they do. You know, I mean, t- to us, the record feels old because it's been completed for like six months now, maybe. And, you know, um, it, it's going to be a few more months before it's out. And they just, you know, I get it. You know, they, they, they it's a big investment for them. So they want to make sure all the ducks are in a row about what they're going to do with like radio and what they're going to do about publicity and like um, what, what what's going to be like our touring strategy, you know, or, we, you know, um, all kinds of stuff, um, you know, like the press and they just want to, you know, they just want to make sure they get all their, um, their, their ducks in a row. And, um, I think for, for bands like us that are on labels like new West, um, like vinyl is still a big, big part of it, you know, like people, like a lot of our audience and like me, um, you know, and like all of us in the band, you know, still love vinyl, just like the, you know, the thing, um, like you, you do see a lot of like younger bands now who kind of can just like be like, um, like, Oh, we have a record out. Like, here it is. Like just put it out because you know, they don't, they don't, they're not as focused on vinyl. Um, but I think because we are, you know, like it's, there has to be kind of like a big rollout, a big yeah. rollout lead, leading up to it to, um, to, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So well, unlike, units. unlike streaming, I mean, there, there's actual money behind that vinyl yeah. and there's actual yeah. money back for the, for, for everybody involved you know, when it sells mm-hmm. well. So, sure. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, and, and streaming is still a huge part of it. I mean, like a, a lot of the, a lot of the ramping up for us is like, you know, um, trying, you know, working Spotify and Apple music and getting on playlists and all this stuff, right. you know? Um, so, you know, so, I mean, of course, streaming is still a huge, I mean, it's, it's tough to say what's more important, um, especially for us, who's a little bit more niche. Um, you know, I mean, we have to have, you know, we have to have vinyl. Like when we go play shows, people just like buy vinyl, you know, yeah. and people just, you know, people love ordering vinyl. I mean, like I buy lots of vinyl and sometimes I don't even listen to it. I just like having the thing. <laughs> I mean, so if, if, if I buy a record I love, if, if I buy it on vinyl, I actually, you know, sorry, confession, I'm, I actually might stream it on Spotify more than I actually put the record itself on. But I love having the um, the vinyl. See, there's some just right back there. You can't really yeah, see there you go. this. Yep. <laughs> Uh, well, how different is that for two two different? I mean, it's it's obvious that you have to be all of this stuff has to work together, right? Like all mm-hmm. all the things you're mentioning, they have to work together for putting out something that is uh, again, it is a business, but it is art for you guys. And so, how how different is that for two different reasons? How different is it for a band that is established like you guys are versus your first record, which of course we're celebrating, and from a technology standpoint, right? So there's 
your your place in the rock and roll world and scene and music industry was different then, but also technology and how we promote records and push records was different. So how are those two things different when you 2013 to 2023? Um, well, I, I will say t- 2013 um, for us getting into it, um, there was a huge AAA radio push. Um, um, if um, the AAA radio station, like Lightning 100 is AAA radio station, it's kind of right. like, um, like independent um, radio stations. Um, and we we worked that circuit so much. We we probably went to every single AAA radio station in the country in 2013. Um, and um, and even though now like there we are thinking there still will be a AAA radio push. Um, I mean, a lot of a lot of AAA radio stations since then have, have have shut down, which is sad. But it's just, uh, or or they or they're maybe not even like terrestrial. Like they might not even have like offices to go to anymore, and like in studio things. Um, so, so that's a huge difference. Um, and and really, I mean, I feel like, I mean, one of the reasons I think that 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 helped us stake a little claim and get some recognition was all the work we put in at AAA radio ten years ago. But now, I mean, I know, I know, we're not gonna do the, a similar push for this because there's also not as many stations now. I mean, we we couldn't, we yeah, we we couldn't do the same kind of push. Um, and 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 then back and ten years ago, I mean, Spotify was still new. It wasn't like um, like now, like being on playlists is is really important. Um on spotify and um which isn't that technically isn't that basically the triple a radio station now i mean that's what that that's what that is right that's a good way to put it because i mean yeah like 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 i i don't know for sure the exact numbers but i mean like you know i mean it's you know now like people or i think are more likely to like like pull up spotify and just hit like the like oh like the wild feathers radio or like oh here's a playlist i think i like because they'll like send it to you know send it straight to you um so so stuff like that's a big deal um um it's tough to say how much social media has changed since then like there's (laughs) i mean and twitter twitter is exactly the same it's exactly the same yeah yeah, it's exactly um the platforms themselves for the most part have changed but i guess kind of the, the importance on it might not have changed it's i think it's still equally as important um now as it was then it's just um you know, like Facebook isn't the, the the is a big a deal. Like like you know, now there's so much more in, uh, emphasis on Instagram and um. Yeah. I don't know. We don't. We do have a TikTok, but we've never used it. I don't know if we should. Get it. <laughs> do, 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 you, do y'all do any TikTok stuff? I, I can't. I I can't melt my brain any further, man. Like I can't, I just <laughs> I I've got I've, it's it's been melted enough by all the other things. I've you know got to yeah. take care of kids. Um, you, you guys that obviously when you play a show today. You still play a lot of stuff off that that first record. And I'm curious yeah. when you put out something new, like when do you know that the live audience, like something has landed, a new track, a new song, a particular song? Like, how do you know that when you you play it live for a crowd, is it just purely the reaction? Is it are you checking metrics in other places? How do you know that you found the, the thing that that hits with the audience and like that's what they're coming to listen to now the way some of those songs off that first record you know for those first few years people are coming to listen to those songs mm-hmm. i mean th- that's a great question um a lot of it just kind of takes time and maybe um trial and error um because yeah for example like um 
some songs like I'll say at least for like the last record we put out, Alvarado. Um, I know there were some songs on that that we didn't think we would like play live or would be that big of a deal. And like um, it just resonates and like we something and we can also I know this is kind of like a like a, a vague um, uh, intangible kind of answer. But like, you know, like we just kind of feel and we're playing it like, oh, yeah, this is this like feels right. Like this, the whole energy thing is there. And then there's like, I mean, there's specifically like some songs that are like, I don't know, like we loved this song so much recording it. And it just seems like it's not, we can, we just, we feel like it's not sparking and like, and it just, it seems the same way to the crowd. Um, so a lot of it's just a, a feel thing. Um, uh, I mean, it's interesting you, you bring up like, like metrics. I mean, we can, we can look and see, um, you know, our Spotify metrics and like what songs are popular in certain areas. But, but then again, that like a lot of that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have, a, doesn't necessarily correlate to like a live version of the song. Cause then again, like, you know, a lot of right. that's playlists and like it could just pop up random, you know, could just pop up randomly for somebody. And, you know, so, so that doesn't necessarily correlate to, to, to that live thing you're talking about where it's like oh like this one's working and so yeah it's just like uh, after a while we can just kind of tell and then you, you can you can tell people getting into it and then you can also you know people will comment on on social media like like oh yeah that song's like we love that song live or people will tell us that like this like that i love the new song blah 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 that's it's great we're like okay yeah like yeah that is working I want to talk a little bit about a live set list because I, I, i'm fascinated at, <laughs> at sort of it's sort of what goes into uh, the order that you're playing them and, and how democratic it is and how sort of, how, how do you decide kind of what gets played on a given show? Well, um, so uh, Joel, the bass player and one of the singers in the band, he's, um, he's a set list master. Um, uh, <clears throat> it's, it, it has to do with a lot of things like they're like, we like to have like a, a lot of certain flow, um, and try and like mix up maybe kind of who's doing, who's carrying like the most of the vocals for a certain amount of time, you know, cause everybody sings. Um, so we don't want to like front like, Oh, right here. Like, you know, like, like Taylor's going to be singing like four songs in a row. We don't want to <laughs> do something like that. Um, sometimes it depends on guitar changes. Like if somebody needs to change a guitar, it's like, Oh, put those two songs together. So you can just like change guitars once. Um, and, and, and sometimes, yeah, I mean, like there are certain things we'll find where it's like, oh, like if we end a set with these like certain four songs, they always just kind of like, like click together and it makes like a, an awesome kind of ending. Or if we open with these three songs, like, so, so sometimes it has to do with like groupings of songs. And, um, and if we were going to like, you know, if we were going to play a 30 minute set, we would have like the kind of the opening grouping and the closing grouping. And then if it's a 45, we'll add like these other segments and then if it's gonna be like a 90 minute or two hours then we'll like add in the more segments um if, if that makes sense like yeah. it's like oh there's a 60 minute one well then we kind of have like like the skeleton of like the the 12 song set list and you know there'll be like certain songs we would always do but then there'd be like okay we can like switch up these because it'll be fun like oh let's throw in a cover or let's just try this song tonight or or like this seems like it'd be like a great night to do this song like the like the long jammy so psychedelic song you know like this seems like the kind of crowd so you just kind of 
just kind of feel out that kind of stuff too. How do you how do you balance uh, the stuff that you personally love to play with the thing you know the audience wants to hear? Oh well, that's a good question. I mean, I mean, hopefully it's the exact same song every time, right? (laughs) Hopefully it's the same songs, and also, um, a lot of times, um, uh, a lot of times, like the songs that that resonate are the funnest ones to play because, like the, uh, having you know being able to tell that the crowd's into it, you know, is is really what what makes it fun, and also in, in a weird way, like um a song you could consider the most fun could change from like night to night or kind of like from like month to month or something. It's like, Oh man, it's been really fun to play this song lately. I don't know why it's just been really fun, but like this other song, I don't know why it hasn't been that fun. Um, And then, then there's a few songs that are, they're like, you know, that are like (laughs) kind of hard to play. Like there's some songs that are really easy to play and there's some songs that are hard to play. And, and so that's why like, you know, um, when it comes up in the set list, we're like, Oh no, here it comes. Here it comes like, <laughs> you know, everybody's got to like, everybody's really got to sing their asses off on this. And like, I really have to focus on the time in this cause it's, it'll get all out of whack. And like, so also then when, when that song is done in the set, you're like, all right. Yeah. You're like, right, yeah, let me, let, let me have another sip of beer. And now we're going to like get on with it now. Like, we're going <laughs> to loosen up a little bit. Um, but, um, but sometimes that that's the songs that are like really hard to play also like, you know, like really resonate with people too um so yeah and i want want to ask like a slightly different version of that which is uh, songs that are in songs that are in a set list that you know okay this is this is four or five minutes of Mm -hmm. i I don't not i don't not i don't have to think about it but like there there are definitely songs to your to your point here that you're having to you're having to work harder on or concentrate on like how much of a set can you can you just sort of kind of just feel and 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 kind of and kind of be versus how much of it are you like intensely trying to trying to think about what it is that you're doing on stage? I, I would say like for actually playing um the songs, like um, and I mean this is a good thing, like you don't want to like totally overthink while you're playing, you know, you want to be focused and not be really good, but you don't want to be too focused and and on on what you're playing or how you're playing to the point where you know you're not really in the moment with it so like um yeah some of the parts that for me at least that that, and i think and i think maybe for a lot of the other guys too that takes a lot of focus is in between songs like okay we got out of that song now like do we need to take a breath do y'all need to like talk to the audience like you know like those are the moments those are really the moments where you stop playing and you feel like you might feel kind of naked for a second and you're like had, like how, how do we how do we get back into the next song or, or or what should we do and that's all also times like that the set list will get changed like somebody will just be like hey don't do that we'll do this next or, or 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 something like that and you know stuff like that happens sometimes just by kind of feeling out how the show goes so really hopefully um during the songs while playing like it isn't too focused um if that makes sense, I don't want to make it sound like I'm just like daydreaming back there. But you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I think I think be, I think being in the moment is the exact like the audience is there to be in the moment. Like it, yeah. they want the artist to be there in the moment, and then you have a shared experience. Like that's the whole point, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And 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 um, and and for a band like us and a lot of other bands, like you don't necessarily just want to like just 
just recreate like the same thing that like that you've already heard on record i mean i, I know some some bands do do that and that's fine um but like um like, kings of leon <clears throat> yeah um yeah totally <laughs> well like like well an interesting um uh analogy i like to make sometimes is like dave matthews band versus tool like um and th those bands have two amazing drummers <laughs> But if you see it like Dave Matthews band, like they, they don't need to create whatever they did in the studio the, they won't like, like Carter Beaufort, the drummer for Dave Matthews band. I mean, he won't play the same verse the same way anytime ever. It's always different. But then, you know, for a band like tool, like they have to like be like calculated and like play everything exact. Cause it's a, it's just a totally different, so totally different expression. Yeah. Um, so for us, we you know we want to be as good as po as possible and like be as good as the recording but be better or different and not just make it seem like we're just up there just like um like like um just playing through some songs we want it to be like we're up here having like a moment with everybody there who's listening um that yeah. that's that, that that's how we approach it right. um and one approach isn't better than the other that's just ours and um so yeah so we want to you know you know, take chances, you know, is some of the stuff, leave a little danger in there. Like, Oh, oh like if I try this, something might happen. I don't know. You know, <laughs> um, that's, that's, so that, that's how we are. So then I think that's why when the, when the songs are over in between songs, like, Oh, oh what now? Like, oh, do we talk or do we just start the new song immediately? Like that's, that, that's when we, that's when we start overthinking really. I, I don't think that there, if you're a diehard music fan, if you're a casual listener and you're just kind of like talking in the back, which I'm assuming is obnoxious uh, at small venues in Nashville, but like that, the, all you can ask for if you're a diehard music fan is for someone to care as much about the performance as the person buying the ticket. That's, that's literally, I think all you could, you should ask of your musicians. Um, all right. I want, I've asked you this before, but I want to go a little bit deeper here. And that is your favorite places and your least favorite places across the sec uh -huh. to play venues the places that if people are out and about going on a game, like where should they be looking to go watch music? Because X, Y, Z place is just spectacular. Obviously Athens is, is, is in there, but uh, you can branch out across the conference, best places, worst places that you guys have played in, in the Southeast. Let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like, I don't know if I'll necessarily say there's like, like a particular best place or actually it might hit me later. Um, but, um, Oxford is really cool. Um, there's cool venues there. Um, Proud Larry's um, is really cool. And like, there's just something, uh, Oxford is very kind of Athensy in a way. I mean, um, like there's been awesome bands that have come out of Oxford before. Like there's like something about Oxford. Um, I don't know, just lends itself to, to, to that same sort of like uh, artistry perhaps that, that Athens does. Um, and it's got really, and it's got some cool venues. Um, also think Lexington has some cool venues and has some really cool bars. Like I think Lexington is really fun. Um, I don't know if there's ever necessarily been a scene there, but whenever, whenever I've played there, um, there's always been people there who've been like really enthusiastic to just that, just that, that, that stuff is coming there. I think, I think maybe like um, on, on, on most national touring bands schedule, like, you know, they're way more likely to hit Athens than they are Lexington. So maybe like, you know, and if they go through, you know, and if they go to Kentucky, they play Louisville, of course. Um, but Lexington's got a couple of awesome venues. Um, like, uh, I think a place called the Green Lantern, like a tiny little um, yeah. awesome bar. Um, the Burl is awesome. Um, so see Lexington, Oxford, we have played Starkville once. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad. Um, there is one venue there. I think it's called Rick's, and and it was cool. We we were just there one night, so I don't think I can properly judge, uh, Starkville. But um, <laughs> that's the only amount I, of nights you need. No, no, no. You can <laughs> yeah. judge Starkville. Okay, okay. I, I I love all my. I've got a lot of Mississippi State friends. I love Mississippi State, and 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 I had fun that night. But um, so to bring up Oxford for example, like you you get a feel of what Oxford is. And I'm sorry, guys. Like I didn't really, I didn't have really get a feel for what yeah. Starkville is. <laughs> I think you did actually. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did. Maybe everybody would agree. Um, but that's not me saying anything bad about it. That's just, uh, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, like when you're in Athens, like it's like it feels like Athens. Like it just, you yeah. know, like it yeah. just has a. It's the trees. Yeah. It's the trees. Yeah, I'm convinced. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't get that when I was in Starkville. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to Baton Rouge. Um, oh so, man, I know, and, oh. and, and that's and that's supposedly the place, right? Um, uh, well, if you've played a music fest in New Orleans, you're doing all right. So that's yeah, yeah. Um, right. uh, so you're from Macon, um, Little Richard, Otis Redding, Almond Brothers. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it, there's tiny towns in in Alabama that are pretty famous for for mm-hmm. rock and roll and music and blues. Yeah. Um, wh- what is it about? these tiny Southern towns that, and you mentioned the vibe inside of Oxford, which I also, you know, the literary history inside of Oxford, the culture history inside of Oxford, there is obviously inherent struggle in these small towns, which I think lends itself to why there is just so much incredible art. Why, why in your opinion, has so much incredible art come out of such small, weird and, and sort of off the beaten path places in the Southeast. So I've, you know, I've, I've wondered about making a lot. Um, part of me thinks like I, I wonder like um did it, you know sometimes some of the best um um who was on the last time we talked about this um uh from uh moon taxi or no, from uh, william tyler I, from william tyler yeah i remember yeah. him saying like you know like also, uh, uh, okay yes yeah, sorry um so william tyler said oftentimes like great art kind of comes out of you know a place of strife you know, whether it be, you know, with like whatever it is, like poverty or, or anything like that lends itself, you know, there's, there's, you know, powerful stories to be told in places like that. And um, I think, you know, a place like um, Macon and a lot of other places throughout the South, you know, it's, there's places where it's close to all these other, um, you know, it's a tiny little urban spot and you know surrounded by rural areas all around like you know i think it's probably closer probably easier for more people to go there and gather you know but it's not atlanta because you know um that's way too way too big of an urban place but i mean you know like otis redding um you know like i i could be wrong i think i think he grew up in round oak which is like i mean like i mean that's out like in the middle of nowhere you know like he's 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 from macon but um but that's like the place that's the closest place you know uh he could go to to play music and um like there's all the african-american music that, that that came out of macon um is 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 stunning and um there was a there was a theater there um uh the the the, the Capitol Theater um, that was um, shoot. I, I hope I hope it's I'm, I might be wrong um, or it's either the Douglas Theater. Um, but anyway, it was like it was pretty much just a complete, just mainly like for African American artists to play there. Um, and like you know, you didn't get you know that didn't happen everywhere, especially in the South in the '60s. And um, 
and uh you know that inherently caused you know just you know conflict in society um and i think um yeah like 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 william tyler said like uh the you know a lot of the best art comes what comes out of places of, of strife um and 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 conflict because of the, the story that can be told and and I, and I think I think that's mainly a lot of it. You know, like there's a lot of a lot of a lot of poverty in Macon and like in the surrounding um, rural areas, because um, pretty much everything around it was rural. Um, a lot of farms and yeah, it's 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 amazing to think about. Like, I mean, yeah, like uh, I don't know what it is about Muscle Shoals. Like, I've I've actually never been there, but I mean, you know, from what I understand, that's a similar thing in, in Memphis. Um, yep. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Memphis is is one of the, probably the one of the best examples in the in the South. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to think about. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it makes you know, it, you know, a lot of stuff that especially then like artists had to go through just to be able to like perform somewhere. You know, I mean, that's that's incredible to think about. You know, I mean, because you know, I've I've definitely never been challenged like that before. Um, and uh, it's amazing to think about some of the challenges people did face to get through it. And the, uh, like, I know this sounds heavy, but like the gifts they gave us is just like, yeah. um, it's, it's L- incredible. Little Richard would have been huge on TikTok. That's for sure. <laughs> Dude, um. you, oh my God. Dude, no I question. I can't imagine he would have, he would have killed it. He would have crushed it. Uh, I'm going to be thinking about that for a while now. That's hilarious. Uh, okay. Uh, score of the game, Florida, Georgia this weekend. And how many games does Georgia lose in the regular season? Oh, don't make me. Okay. Um, I, I, I really think uh, like I, I rarely say Georgia wins, but I, I really do think Florida can cover. Um, I, I think like, I, I think it could be a, a game like, like Georgia's had a lot, like, like Florida might not jump out in front, but it might be tight. Like, like, like we, we might go into halftime, like, um, like what if it's like, like 2016 at halftime or something like that, or actually I think it'll probably be lower, you know, what if it's like 13, 17, Georgia at, at halftime and then Georgia separates a little bit and it ends up like a like a like a 30 to 23 or something like that like okay. like late like it, it like backdoor um, cover yeah yeah maybe maybe a good old backdoor cover like um and there is something about the way Georgia plays and hopefully it'll be like this so the ending is fine but you know sometimes you watch them and there's that feeling of inevitability like a like um Yep. Hopefully that'll set in where it's like, okay, I see what's going on. The score is close, but there's no way that it's going to happen now. But I'm still going to sit here and sweat it out because something weird could happen. <laughs> but and and that's how it ends up, you know, probably closer than two touchdowns. Um, that that is exactly how I think it's going to play out as well. Um, I will say this for those listening because it's an audio medium. The the relaxed nature with which you can discuss a hundred years of struggle in the South. <laughs> your face was relaxed and calm and you were interested. And then I asked you about the score of the Georgia game and your face changed. It got, like, yeah. The muscles tensed up and you sat up in your chair and you got more nervous. So man, it's just something about uh, the, uh, like the, um, like the sec on CBS theme song. Like yeah. guys, it's just, it's you guys, it's, it's stress inducing. And like, I'm like, yeah, it and it's every year, like Georgia, Florida, like here it comes, like, you know, and, and, and I love that song, but, um, but there's something about like, you know, um, uh, Gary, Gary, Gary Danielson just being like, Oh no, uh, uh, what they, what they've got to do now is I don't just being like such a, like, like, 
you know, a, a naysayer and, 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 and that song happening, it's just this Georgia, Florida weekend to me, it's just nothing but like a, a stress induced, um, a giant trigger. Giant, well, yes. Well. Giant, giant trigger. Like, um, yeah. Um, so, well, thanks for spending some time with us during the stress induced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, okay. So, so what game would Georgia lose? Um, you know, it's man, I mean, these, um, you know, but before the season, the narrative was like Georgia's schedule is a joke. Um, they should get through it and um, w- without without a, a problem. And I mean, if you do look at it, yes, like a championship elite team, if that's what they are, they should get through it without a problem. Um, but will they? I don't know. Um, and it's shaping up now to be where it's like after the bye week. I mean, like it's like I mean, like this is it. This is it. it. The, like real deal, and really like kind of feels more dire than I can remember for like a stretch of, for like November, you know? And it's really weird. Cause I mean, I always thought, you know, like, like Ole Miss could be weird. Like Lane, you never know when Lane is going to do something crazy. <laughs> um, so of course I'd be like, that's like a huge uh, trap game. But I mean, did, did anybody see Missouri coming and, and being what they are now? Like, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like most people are like wondering if Missouri was going to make a bowl game, not wondering like, Oh, like they really like Missouri could win the division now. Like, you know, I mean, Georgia has to play Florida, you know, no Brock Bowers, um, weird stuff happens. Um, I mean, like last year, like, um, uh, coach Drinkwitz, like, like, like coach an awesome game against Georgia at home. He makes you want to like, does he have their number? Um, and of course there's always Tennessee, um, I mean, no, way more but, dangerous last year. It, it is, it, it, you know, it is in Knoxville. One thing, one thing I did see in, in a weird way happening before the season, which looks even probably more likely now is I was like, watch Georgia clinch the East before it goes to Knoxville and then Tennessee beats Georgia. But, but, but Georgia because, still won the division. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so not, can, not, not unless, uh, not unless the, uh, the coach learns to trust his quarterback, which he does not, he yeah. clearly does not. Well, it, it really makes you wonder. Um, I, I'm I'd like, I know, I know y'all have been asked this a million times. Um, like probably sometimes, um, uh, combat combatively, like, uh, I, I do wonder, um, if there will be a point this season where Hypel's like, you know what, let's just, let's just play Nico. Let's just get ready. I mean, that's the future. I mean, like Van- Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, you, you think so? I mean, like, like there's no way he does it with, with the East still being yep. able to be clinched. Yep. Um, there, right? There's no way he does it then unless there's some kind of an insane meltdown. And I'm not saying he has melted down, but I mean, it'd have to get like really bad. I mean, if they lose to Kentucky and Missouri and Georgia, um, absolutely, absolutely, at five losses, you could play the the freshman against Vanderbilt. Right, but, and and, but I, and I think it has yeah. to get to that situation. I think right, and and even if even if the division was wrapped up before they played Georgia, you don't you don't start his first game against Georgia, right? No, only no, Billy no, Na- no. only Billy Napier does that with Anthony, <laughs> <Yikes>. <laughs> with Anthony Richardson. Uh, ben, yeah, tell yeah. Every, tell everybody. Okay, you got the concert coming up yeah, yeah. at Riverside Revival, of course. Ten year yeah. anniversary of the great record that you guys put out ten years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. You got a new one coming in the early spring. So tell everybody where they can follow you guys to to keep track of when new music's coming and get tickets and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, like if, if you follow us on Instagram, like that'll, you'll, that'll, you'll end up being the most up to date. Um, that's, you know, where we post the most stuff. Um, like a lot of people don't even visit websites for bands anymore. I mean, but yeah. you have to have one, but I mean, really, you know, uh, 
Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook will will tell you all this stuff we have coming up. Um, I will say, um, speaking of the, the 10th anniversary of the first record, um, long story short, like we just kind of accidentally ended up like recording, re-recording an acoustic version of the record um, because we thought it would be fun to do. Um, I, I don't know why, I guess just because we thought it'd be fun and it was really fun. And you can you can listen to it on our Bandcamp page, which I don't know if we ever had until we we made this thing. But it's you can just Google the Wild Feathers Bandcamp or do the wildfeathers.bandcamp.com. It'll take you right there, and uh, it's fun to listen to. I mean, especially if you know that record. Um, it was really fun to make. Um, we just made it like, oh, let's just I don't know, <laughs> just just try something different. And then we we did a, an acoustic tour, like kind of celebrating the 10th anniversary, like just to change things up for fun. Um, the, the, the shows we've been doing have been super fun. I think people love it. Um, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. And the, the show we'll, we'll do in Nashville will be um, that same kind of acoustic um, celebration of the first record. Um, and yeah, um, the powers that be are, have, have said it's sold out, but, I, but it's, it is also possible they could release more tickets. So we'll see. So just follow us on Instagram. There you go. And if it happens, you will know. And in the meantime, you can go to wildfeathers, thewildfeathers.bandcamp and listen to um, that uh, our, our acoustic renditions. Turn on those notifications. Awesome. Uh, ben, thank you yes. so much for your time. Go dogs. Uh, uh, and we appreciate <laughs> it, man. Ben, you guys are great. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Um, and you guys stay in touch. Um, maybe, maybe we'll have to get on. Maybe we'll have to discuss the games uh, on Twitter and see what happens. Um, <laughs> but don't tweet me during the game. I'll be too nervous. I won't be able to like hold my phone. My palms will be sweaty. All right. Uh, I'll talk. Awesome. S- Sunday morning. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. All right. You guys are great. Thank you so much. That was Wild Feathers drummer Ben DeMoss joining us here for a few minutes, talking Georgia, talking cocktail party. I have Of all the rivalry games I have been to, Steve, I have not been to a Georgia-Florida game, and I need to go. I need to go. It should be fun. And I actually think his analysis is spot on. It sounds like he's been listening to the pods this week, which is that Florida's going to play well. They're going to keep it close, but you're never going to think they're going to win the entire time. Uh, so that's my analysis. Okay. All right. Go to Jasper's. Great local sponsor. Local artists. Help out with these local shows. Steve has one of the worst, if not the worst, take I have ever heard. And there's a lot of them from him. Go ahead. The floor is yours. Um, <clears throat> I officially, um, I'm not going to miss the SEC on CBS next year when uh, when they switch over to doing Big Ten uh, football at the 2.30 on Saturday afternoon slot. Just You're not, not going to miss the song. I'll miss the song, but I mean, I can tune in for the song and then, you know, flip over to something else. I'm I've been trying to break up with Gary Danielson for years. uh, And I think this year, I think this year I've finally done it. I think I finally done it. I like Brad Nessler. Brad Nessler is an excellent play by play guy. Um, You know, I, I, I was always a Vern fan. But I'm I'm kind of done with Danielson. I really am. I, okay, and so just, that's not a that's not as hot a take as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was that you don't care about I, the song. I, I am just and not the production I'm not value. To, I'm, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss what is inevitably the longest game of the day. E- even with even with the new time rules, it you know settle in for three and a half on, on a Saturday afternoon. So okay, I'm not so miss it. I will parse out your take here and I will acknowledge to you that I do not think that they have the best broadcast tandem anymore. I think that's clear. I I don't disagree with you. That's not one of your worst takes. 
but the CBS broadcast quality, literally like the technology, and we've talked about it on the show before, how the data and the HD stuff is sampled through, through the truck back to the broadcast and back down is better than everybody else. It's better than Fox, even with the exception of maybe the 4K stuff. It is better as, than ESPN. As long as that data is still bringing bringing Gary Danielson to my ears, <laughs> I'm the the I'm, song. I'm I'm done. To Ben's point, the song is still one of the most important and iconic in all of the history of college football. I will miss that. I will miss the broadcast quality. So I I absolutely am going to miss it. I do believe that you're correct to say that CBS should be planning its long term succession to Gary Danielson and Brad Nessler. I, I, oh, no, no, no. I mean, it's perfect for him now. Ex-Purdue quarterback, uh, you know, calling big, big, fine. big 10 games. Great. Yeah, but I, but Great. I agree. I agree. The quality of the things that they miss. Although I will say, while Gus Johnson is tremendous at his job, that guy doesn't appear to be watching the game half the time. Like he, no, he no. I misses mean, Gus, a lot of Gus stuff too. Just, so Gus is just, Gus is just really excited about life. Which is great. Uh, which is great. And, 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 you know, Joe for three Tessator, hours. Come on down. I don't even know. I, I honestly the the thing that the thing that makes me happiest is when i look up and i see that sean mcdonough has the game uh, sean is very extremely classy sean sean's sean's great and 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 i know that there is an even chance that if something dumb happens mcdonough is willing to say you know what that was really dumb yeah, he does he, he and, does it with a cheeky it's a chris fowlerish type of delivery exactly yeah. um i mean you know, Fowler, I think, is still kind of the gold standard for 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 college uh, for college play by play. I think he is the best at it. Um, but if I but if I look He's up, and I've got McDonough on the game. Uh, yeah, I'm, he, I'm really happy. What, what's interesting about Joe? So ne I think Joe and Nestler Nestler on CBS is not bad. No, he's fine. But let, let me yeah, let me tell I mean, you a quick know. let me tell you a quick Joe Testor anecdote here. Um, because I think Joe Tess, I I think what makes him good. Well, I agree. Some people might find it a little sticky, right at times. Like the kind of the things that he does, but here's what I think. I think his he meets the moment with his energy in a big way, and I think that the same way Gus Johnson kind of does, and I think that really matters. I think the fact that Joe loves this stuff deeply, and here's my example, and and I'll tell you why I think this, because Joe Tessitore calls a Texas Oklahoma ending the same way he talks to me in the hallway at SEC Media Days. <laughs> like he pulled me aside one time. This was a couple years ago. He pulled me aside and he was like. He's like, Braden, keep doing what you're doing and focus on the like. And he was doing it like it was a, a fourth quarter of a Texas Oklahoma game. And I was like, thank you, Joe Tessitore, for that life advice. I, I appreciate it. But like he's he talks like that all the time. Like, that's just yeah. how he that's just how he talks. And I think his the way he gets up and big for a moment when it is up and big, I think he does a good job of that. So I I'm with you. I like Sean McDonough a lot. I don't think the CBS broadcast crew is top three to five right now, but I think the the broadcast Not of the game, 10, but I think the camera angles, the technology, the production staff, you can go back and listen to the interview I did um, with Craig Silver, who's been the executive producer for 25 years. The music is the best. It is all the best in the game today and it's moving and I am sad and your take is wrong. That, that's go fine. To you can be go, wrong. Go to Jasper. Go to Jasper's. You can be wrong about this. Um, all right. You got any recommendations uh, for the good folks? I get. I have a great recommendation. Oh, as opposed to all your other recommendations. I mean, all my <laughs> recommendations are good. This one's a little gooder. He's, so, he's an ed editor of the uh, National Banner, folks. <laughs> words, words, 
are his profession. Oh, um, one of my favorite reporters here in town uh, is a woman at WPLN named Mariba Knight. And Mariba has done a couple of things uh, that you might have heard. She had a, a couple of podcasts called The Promise. She did two seasons of it um, that were just fantastic. Um, and she has uh, she has a, uh, a collaboration with the New York Times and ProPublica. It is out today uh, on Thursday, out, October twenty sixth. Here on th- she uh she this is the outgrowth of a of a series last year that was a pulitzer finalist with propublica she and ken armstrong wrote it this is by the way the the production this is sorry i didn't mean to step on you there this is the production companies that 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 put together serial so i i don't know if you've heard of the largest podcast in the history of humankind but but serial so she got so they uh they made a pitch uh to serial and this is a collaboration again with the New York Times, which owns Serial now, uh, ProPublica, and them. And it, it's an extension of the it's an extension of the stuff that they did last year. It's called the Kids of Rutherford County. Uh, and if you don't remember what the story is, there, uh, there, Rutherford County had a problem jailing kids. And mm. I don't mean, I don't mean fifteen year olds. I mean seven year olds. Seven year olds. Yeah. Uh, and. She did. I, I was talking to her about this a few weeks ago. Uh, she, the, the 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 reporter, she's a great reporter, but like some of the digging that she did, they found um, th- there's a judge at the center of this that their reporting last year cost the judge her job um, because she was because she was fi- because she was sentencing these kids to crimes that didn't exist. She went back through. Uh, the, the judge was on a was on an, an AM radio show for several years, and she found the audio, got all the audio, did you know, tra- had it all transcribed, and went through for like two weeks every every day, going line by line through these transcripts, uh, the, to to find the kind of relevant pieces where the judge actually talks about some of these cases, um, on the air, and, and it is, they have they have audio recording in the first episode, uh, from internal uh uh from from internal investigations at the police department um so you can hear you can hear cops and and others on on tape talking about the these some of these incidents it is it is an amazing piece of reporting uh it's it's very tight you know these are half hour episodes uh, it is it is as they say serial quality uh and yep. uh it is it is I am so excited about this. I'm very happy for her. She's yep. a like yep. she's a tremendous person, and, she, and, and she's the vo- she's the voice of it. Mar- Mar- Knight is the for- voice of it, which is Nashville Public Radio combined with Serial, New York Times, ProPublica, the kids of Rutherford County. Go listen. Yeah, go listen. It's 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 spectacular. Yeah, go go check it out. So, um, there you go. And um, listen, appreciate Ben for joining us. Go check out the Wild Feather stuff. I promise you new stuff coming. Turn on all those notifications so you can catch up with what they got going on. Really fun 10th anniversary show coming up in December. So keep your eyes peeled for that. If they've got some more tickets available, uh, again, turn on all those notifications. That's where you'll get uh, updates from what's going on there. So otherwise, go to Jasper's as well. Go to the Nashville banner as well. And come hang out with us on Blue Sky because it's kind of like old Twitter. At S. Cavendish, at Braden Gall, we're there hanging out. They, they, it's a little wonky. It's it's they're working out some bugs. It's not exactly smooth and streamlined, but man, does it feel like Twitter in 2013. So 
Um, there you have it. Uh, for Steve Cavendish, I'm Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. Go to Jaspers, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.